Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Revenues didn't really change. They were up a percent. Uh, but the, the cars they produced and delivered was up, I forget the number, but you know, let's call it something like 25, 30%. Hmm. Um, so um, they're selling a lot more cars, but they're the lower price models. And of course, they, they, Tesla has dropped the price on um, some of their cars in the, in the last year as well. So uh, revenue didn't really grow much. Uh, unit volume did, and that's a good thing. And then the projections for 2020 are uh, for at least 500,000 cars to be sold from about, I think it was 360, 365 um, in 2019. So that's an admirable um, growth rate as well, especially when you consider how um, um, capital intensive that business is. You got to build a factory to make your batteries, got to build a factory to assemble your cars. Um, so it's a big deal. And I think Tesla is executing very well. You know, so the real question is, is what is it worth? Um, and uh, one of the things we wrote about on our website the other day about Tesla was that now after this huge run up, the market cap of Tesla is about $110 billion. Uh, Volkswagen, for example, who makes something like 10 and a half or 11 million cars um, and makes $17 billion a year, uh, they have a market cap of about $93 billion. Huh. So here's a, you got Tesla from a market stat, uh, cap standpoint coming in much larger uh, than than uh, than um, VW. When uh, VW is obviously a, a, from an operational standpoint, you know, a massively uh, much larger uh, company. One of the things I think is is um, people are kind of counting on is that. Uh, the other car companies, at least to date, have not really getting traction. So Jaguar has come out with an electric car, um, and it hasn't caught fire yet. Um, and, uh, you know, GM has the Volt, and, um, and so there's others out there, and they just haven't caught the imagination. And so they, they haven't really made a dent in that space, and I'm just... It, it, I, I find it boggles the mind that other people like GM, uh, Porsche is going to come out with a wicked um, electric car shortly, and, and I would I would be shocked if if that doesn't sell well because they have they they have their their um, very popular niche following. Um, but I would imagine General Motors and Mercedes are going to have uh, something in that space, and 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 Volkswagen has said that given time, uh, they they could imagine their entire fleet being electric at some time. So now the other thing to compare is um, their market cap to Ford and GM. And so, which I think um, now uh, Tesla is something like one and a half times the market cap of Ford and GM. So you can, hmm. you can trade all your uh, Tesla stock, buy all of Ford and General Motors and have some money left over. Yeah, geez. And it's, uh, so it's, it's really remarkable what's going on. And it'll be interesting to see if it sticks. Now I saw two two statistics. One was on either a website or one of the uh, financial news shows. I forget which. 
they said there's an analyst out there predicting six thousand dollars a share okay which is a trillion dollar market cap and i'm going yeah. well if that kind of enthusiasm doesn't mean we're close to a top i don't know uh, yeah <laughs> does. and then i had i was having a conversation with a colleague last night um, and he's, he saw an analyst put out a $4,000 number. So um, certainly very frothy. Um, you know, hats off to those who own the stock and had the super rise um, to them. And uh, but um, I'm not sure that the, the stock makes sense right now at these prices. I do think the company is worth a lot of money. I'm just not sure it's worth uh, over $100 billion. Right. And, you know, from a like a consumer standpoint, I was just talking to somebody yesterday who recently purchased uh, an SUV, mm-hmm. and she and I were riding around together. And there was a Tesla SUV right right near us. And I live in the the Dallas area, and there's Teslas everywhere here. Yeah. Um, and I was like, did you ever consider a Tesla? And she said, no. Um, you know, if uh, if I have to stop and recharge it all night long, I can't go where I need to go. And I was like, yeah. you know, I think that's really where the the difference will be made if gm or ford or porsche or anybody else can come out with a battery that has a quick charge feature mm-hmm. similar to being at the gas pump i think that will be the the shift in the tide until yeah, well, then you, yeah you know it's like ford to model t yeah you'll certainly get a lot and that's something that actually does help um tesla at the moment that issue because they have charging stations Mm-hmm. You know, all over the place, and I don't know how. If you're not part of the Tesla network, how you you charge? Now, if you go into a lot of hotels, have a charging station now and things like that, but they have one or two. Right. Uh, that's not enough uh, for a, a lot of people. Um, if a lot of people have that car and and stay at the hotel, um, there is a technology that is being worked on right now where they're using capacitors um, as batteries. And if that that ever um, comes about, um, you'll get super rapid charging and um, and much lower cost. As oh well. wow! So it's a it's a technology issue um, that you're, they're kind of pressing the limits of lithium ion, which also takes a lot of magnesium. Is it uh, no nickel um, in those batteries? Um, but um, it, they're they're really you know, making evolutionary improvements in those batteries now. So to get to where you're talking about, I think you need that that new technology. Mm-hmm. You need uh, you need a leap. Yeah. Uh, to get yeah. there. But, you know, where I'm seeing a lot more Teslas on the road. Um, they're building a factory in Germany now. They're they're mm-hmm. I, I, they're in the midst of building a factory in China. So yeah, I, I have no doubt that five years from now Tesla will be delivering you know, a million and a half cars or something like that um, into the world. So there's lots of growth uh, ahead of them. And um, and like I said, hats off to even Elon Musk, because, you know, all there's a lot of uh, haters out there that, that um, just think that Tesla's not going to make it. And he, uh, they um, they keep at least this stage of the game being proven wrong. And um, as they mentioned in the last conference call, they think they're um, they can fund themselves for here on out. So wow! They don't really need. They're not going to need to go to the capital markets for equity. Um, and um, who knows what? Uh, I don't think they need money for debt. And the other thing that that just worked in their favor is some of their debt is convertible, and now those converts are so in the money that 
um, essentially the debt will get liquidated by conversion to uh, to stock. Oh. So the company financially is in um, in very nice in very nice shape, and they got a, a good chunk of cash on the book. So I think they're in uh, a good shape. They just got to execute. Um, I don't really know what to think of their truck. I mean, it and went, to me, I immediately thought of Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I saw the truck, um, but uh, you know, maybe uh, um, it, people uh, uh, get onto that. I was hoping that they came out with something that would be very competitive to the Raptor, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a pretty neat truck. Um, but. Uh, you know, in typical Musk fashion, he just said, "No, no, no, we're that's not where the playing field is. It's over here. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the wrong field." You know that uh, that truck. I think my seven-year-old uh, drew that one day when he was in class. Um, <laughs> just the uh, the unusual shape of it really took me by surprise. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was obviously intentional, right? They want to be polarizing because they yeah. they've been able to build that that raving fan base. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They'll they'll come out with this one, and then if it doesn't sell like it should, or they hope, then I'm sure that they will tool it to be more like a F-150 or anything else where yeah. you've got mass appeal. Yeah, and there's there's more than anything else. That's actually I haven't uh, wanted to buy a traditional sedan and Tesla. Um, I I kind of want a truck, so I was hoping they would come out with a truck that um, made some sense. I'm not sure that that it's my personality. You're not ready to jump on that one? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to wait and see and see how they look on the road a little bit, because I actually haven't seen one in person. Right. Um, so I'll take a look and and and, uh, and do that. So I drive a hybrid now, so I'm kind of into the to that. I love driving a hybrid because, you know, I go 50 miles to the gallon, and I, I hardly ever have to pull into the gas station, and nothing pleases me more than not, not buying gas. Right. Now I get no pleasure out of buying gas. Um, so, um, but it's, uh, I'm getting to the point where you know, I kind of need a new one. My car is, uh, it's in terrific shape, but it's had, it's got a few miles on it. So, mm. you know, they don't last forever. Right. So, all right. So let's, let's uh, shift gears one last time and let's talk about uh, gamma. Now, obviously we're, we're, we're shifting, shifting hard here. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that the last time you were on, and I, I hope that the audience picked up on this because it was something so subtle that you said in the moment, and then it just was like a light bulb to me, like, whoa, okay, I've never thought of it that way. But you were talking about options gamma. Now, delta is the um, rate of change of the price of the option given $1 change in the underlying stock price. Correct. And gamma is the difference in the deltas. And yep. the way I think about it is if you are driving down the road in your Tesla and your Tesla is set at 67 miles an hour, the difference between 67 and 68 and 69, that's your gamma. Mm-hmm. And when you described it as with gamma, when you're long gamma, when you're long an option, you get more of what you do want and less of what you don't want. And obviously the 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 options being, you know, uh, limited risk, unlimited uh, potential that really stuck to me like, wow, okay. Cause I had come from selling options exclusively. Right. And I would see this all the time where as soon as I put it on, you know, just little tiny movements and the, the position starts, starts losing. And I'm like, what's going on here. 
And then when you keyed in on that and said, you know, the gamma, when you're short gamma, you get more of what you don't want and less of what you do want, which is profitability of it, really, really stuck with me. So I wanted to bring that up again today and maybe pick your brains a little bit more about that and certainly help the audience out there whenever they're looking to trade some more. Right. So let's just uh, let's just recap a little bit. So um, if you buy uh, a um, an at the money option that has a delta of a half. So if you bought a stock, so that's if compared to 100 shares of stock, it's like you own 50 shares of stock. But as the share price rises, your delta rises and that's um, goes to 0.6 and then 0.70, 80 and so on. So as, as you were stating, and the market goes up and the market's going in the direction you intend, you're getting more of what you want. And um, that's a good thing. And But if the stock goes the other way, stock going, starts going down, your 50 delta goes to a 40 delta to a 30, so you're getting less. Um, and that's a good thing as well. And that's, that's sort of that whole concept of limited risk uh, in a stock. What do you pay for that? What do you pay for that is um, theta. It's the time decay. So you, um, you're paying for that feature and uh, with uh, an option that loses value over time uh, or a security that loses value all the time. And, uh, and that's sort of the trade-off you make. There's some traders that, that compare um, and look at options of, of gamma divided by theta, those two um, Greeks. And then they look for the one that, that uh, gives them the most bang for the buck. So the higher the gamma for your theta. Um, and that's when you look at that sort of generically speaking, um, um, you just got to look at, it depends upon skew and the shape of the vol surface and those kind of things uh, to do that. Now, what a lot of people uh, realize is a lot of times the implied move in the options is bigger than what um, really happens. And so, that's why uh, a lot of option sellers make a buck um, by um, you know, selling options. Now, there's two classes of people. There's the individuals and a lot of the hedge funds that use options for directional bets. So they're either uh, buying a call if they're bullish or selling a put if they're bullish or vice versa um, if they're bearish. Then you have the volatility traders who um, buy the stock and then um, sell, sell calls against them. So that kind of position is short volatility. And what you're betting on is that the volatility of, of the stock will be less than what's implied in the price of the options. Um, and so that's a short volatility position. If uh, you wanted to be long volatility, you buy two calls uh, at the money uh, calls, you sell stock against it. So if the stock takes off, the value of those calls race ahead um, and um, you lose some money on your short stock, right? But your your options race way ahead of it. And if nothing happens, the options sort of decay in price and uh, and that's what you give up. So people that are really focusing on volatility, and these are the market makers and volatility trading firms, um, are the ones that tend to make uh, the most money in that space because they're they're really trading uh, that difference between gamma and theta. Um, and uh, so the acceleration in price versus time decay. Sometimes mm -hmm. I, you know, I forget that not everybody is really um, um, fluent in, in Greek 
Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but I like to bring it back to that so uh, everybody can have something to hold on to. Um, and so that's that's the real important um, the real important factor. So um, if uh, you know we've talked about, I think last time you might have mentioned about selling cash covered puts. Um, you know that's a nice strategy um, for it's a directional trade, but it's also a little bit of a volatility trade, a little bit of both. So let's say a stock is trading at 25 bucks and you sell a $23 put. You're just hoping that volatility on the downside will be modest. And if it goes up, that's fine. You get to keep your uh, options uh, premium as it expires worthless. But if the stock falls a little bit, you can make a buck too. So, um, you know, there's there's people that like to trade and sell far out of the money puts and sort of like, um, you know, collecting nickels in front of a steamroller, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll make money 90% of the time. And um, if you can figure out when that 10% is going to be when you get these big moves, um, you know, you can do, you can do quite a, you can, you can do okay. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think uh, with Tesla, where the implied volatility going into earnings was well over a hundred percent. I mean, that's yeah. just a ridiculously large number. So, um, you know, people would sell an option that that's a put or a call that's far, far out of the money and um, and just figure, well, the stock's not going to move very much. I find that that strategy often works uh, for earnings if um, if you it, because if you sell a put and a call coming due, let's say at the end of the week of uh, of an um, uh, earnings earnings date. If you think, you know, the stock's not going to move 12% or 9% or whatever the options imply, that's a way to play it um, mm -hmm. and and to make a buck. But you are taking a huge gamma bet and negative yeah. gamma bet. So if the stock rips really higher, you're going to get your head torn off. If you were short calls on, on um, Tesla, that's what happened to you. Or if the stock craters like Facebook didn't do so well. Uh, it was a yeah. yesterday or day before. Mm -hmm. um, the the guys that wrote puts, you know, they're walking around headless right now. So yeah. Um, so that's uh, it's it, it's that's it allows you to make the options are really interesting because they allow you to make um, uh, bets that are not necessarily directional, but you're 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 betting on um, you know, the size of a move. Mm -hmm. Well, perfect. Well, Mark, th er, thank you so much for, for spending some more time on Gamma, because I have found that to be extremely interesting. Ever since we've spoken, I've spent a lot more time researching it. And this conversation in general has been really great. Uh, yeah, happy to know, do it. Lear yeah, learning more about the crypto lab at Rutgers, that's really exciting. Uh, I want to hear more about that in the future. And then talking about uh, you know Tesla and, and how it's worth basically all other auto companies combined, which makes total sense, right? So well, some, someday it's going to, uh, some <laughs> prognosticators, I guess they think there'll be one car company in the world. Uh, yep. <laughs> well, Mark, this really was a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on today and sharing your expertise with the audience. Happy to. Thanks, and uh, happy to come back again. Perfect. Well, if you guys want to learn more about Mark, head on over to theoptionsedge.com. And like you mentioned earlier, he's got lots of resources for you there. And you can read more about that and maybe even pick up a couple of the uh, coins that he was talking about. Oh, excellent. 
Well, thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening. And before you go, remember to head on over to finclub.ai to get your two free weeks of artificial intelligence stock picks. You've got nothing to lose and only the most advanced AI to help you trade with confidence at finclub.ai. That's finclub.ai. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimAndStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders. Welcome back to today's podcast. Uh, we have a special guest on the line, Mark Guthner. And we've had Mark on before. Mark is the executive editor and senior contributor at theoptionsedge.com. He's also a professor of practice at Rutgers. And we're going to be talking about several topics today, including Tesla, Crypto Lab, and even some Gamma on today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. The How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is produced in partnership with my friends at FinClub.ai. I use the artificial intelligence data from FinClub as my primary indicator. I don't even take a trade if FinClub doesn't show me that I have a greater edge than any other traders in the market. You've heard the stats, 90% of traders fail, which is why you need to find an edge, and FinClub has that edge for you for just a few dollars a day. The returns produced by FinClub have been shown to be more than double that of the market, with win rates as high as 90%. I mean, they basically make it so easy. They're going to show you exactly what stock is going to exactly what price. Basically, they're handing everything you need to you on a silver platter. Listen, they are so confident that this will change the way you trade. FinClub.ai is going to give you two full weeks to test drive their service, and they'll even give you all their historical results so you can see exactly how it works and how it can dramatically change the way you trade. And that's exactly what I've done. So head on over to FinClub.ai to start your free two-week trial, and I'll even throw in some extra bonuses after you sign up. Now, the only place you can get your discounts and free bonuses is at finclub.ai. That's finclub.ai. 
Hey, Mark, thank you so much for coming online today. Um, you know, I'm really excited. You were telling me about the crypto lab there at Rutgers and, and where that's going to go. Um, what what all are you building there? That sounds really intriguing. Well, you know, crypto is becoming um, a bigger issue uh, throughout the financial services industry. And, and it's part of that larger picture of, uh, you know, financial technology. And um, the there's a lot of people, the best I can tell is there's probably your 30, 40,000 companies somewhere on the planet working on some ap aspect of crypto. And a lot of it is not just for payment systems or a currency alternative, but it's for things like uh, Internet of Things. So how machines communicate with each other um, and uh, how different industries such as uh, advertising or uh, the production and delivery of food is changing by sharing information on on a distributed ledger keeps the whole system honest and everybody gets to see who's doing what and so there's a lot of things going on but what we're doing with the lab is um since uh, we're a business school we're not we're not a um computer science pro uh, program we're interested in the business uses of um uh, cryptography and crypto so the first thing that we're doing is, is we're building some classes around uh, payment systems. So payment systems are anything like SWIFT, which is the international um, payment system where transactions internationally take place and clear through the Bank of International Settlements. Um, and then there's Fedwire. So that's like, you know, big transactions going between banks. Um, and then there's other payment systems like ACH, where, you know, you, you uh, send money to a friend. Um, and then there's uh, things like Apple Pay, um, Alibaba Pay, which are a little different uh, mechanisms for trading from the traditional uh, credit card, Visa, MasterCard, American Express. Um, <clears throat> and there's other people developing uh, other systems. So, um, you know, it's uh, there are now ways, for example, to send crypto to people directly to their um, their email address. You don't have to know somebody's 50 character um, account number anymore. Um, if you know their email address, <clears throat> you can send them crypto just like that and, and nothing flat. So you could now, if you wanted to send me something, um, uh, of course, I'd have to have the proper website set up. But, you know, there's one company, they're called Unstoppable Domains. Um, and they're one that, that, that does it. There's a couple others that, um, I think are going to come about uh, the same way. <clears throat> so you can go and set up your own dot crypto um, oh, wow. name if you wanted to, and then um, host a website, and then people could pay you uh, directly with that. So what we're doing with the lab is where we want um, the students to understand the technology from an operating standpoint. So how do you run um, the technology? Not how do you write a new cryptographic you know, algorithm or something like that? Take what's out there already, put it into use. Mm -hmm. So um, there's three main um, technologies for mining. CPU mining, that's the, that's the least efficient, but um, um, anybody can participate into that. Then there's GPU mining where uh, rigs are set up such that um, the mining is done on the GPU card. Now, GPU cards are good for that because they're meant for uh, mathematical computation. Um, and you can attach six, 12 or more um, uh, GPU cards 
to one um, to one motherboard. So you can set up a rig um, and have uh, you know a, a number of different uh, GPUs uh, mining um, uh, crypto for you. And then of course there's the ASICs miners, and they exist for the sole purpose of mining crypto. They have no other purpose whatsoever. Mm. If for some reason crypto would go away, they become um, bricks, uh, huh. not, not, not used for anything. So, and then there's um, one last piece. So that's the hardware side on the technology, on the um, software side. A lot of people use, there's a lot of different technologies used um, for mining uh, uh, um, different cryptos. They, they use different crypto algorithms. So there's this thing called um, mesh nets and hash graphs and blockchain is the one that everybody knows. So people are searching for uh, more efficient ways of running the network. And so these other things pop up. So we want to run those different networks. And then finally, we want to have another a number of nodes, full nodes um, for a number of different um, um, uh, coins. And so uh, that allows us to contribute to the networks, make the networks more secure and that kind of thing. So we contribute back to the to the back. So I've been actively um, uh, reaching out to people that make hardware and software um, to see what they um, might be willing to contribute to the school in terms of uh, hardware and software, but also in terms of education. How might they like to influence our, um, uh, what do you say, curriculum for the classes and whether or not they want to, um, and most of them do come speak to the students and educate them on what they're doing and what the industry is doing. So uh, a lot of things are going to start to happen at the school um, in very short order in the space. Wow, that's really exciting. So on the crypto lab, is it just one type of now surely is, is it is a cryptocurrency or is it like a crypto process that you guys are, are going to be working on? And and is it interrelated? Like, could you could you mine Bitcoin one day and then Ethereum another day? Yeah. So that's we want to have a number of different rates. So maybe they would be doing these things concurrently. We might have one doing um, uh, Ethereum. One might be doing Bitcoin. One might be doing um, other current currencies like Dash or um, you know uh, Decred or others. A lot of different coins that we think that I think makes sense. We've talked about those on the optionsedge.com. We have our um, sample portfolio of cryptos and we're we're in the process of building a list of, of 10 that we like at least. Um, right now I think we have seven or eight um, and so we've recommended um, that you know people buy these things and we're sort of like averaging in with our new with our the coins that we add and so what I'm looking for is want to put together for our readers is a portfolio um, of 10 coins, all of whom I think have a extremely high chance of, of getting mass adoption. Um, and that's the key and, um, uh, and, and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, um, and without risk of loss. Now, it's entirely possible something will go away. I mean, a lot of people say, well, Bitcoin will never make it a payment system. That's, that might be true. Um, but there are others like uh, Litecoin is much faster. It's cheaper. Um, so somebody's going to fill in that, fill in the gap for where um, they're going to be the, the winner in the transaction space. And then there's going to be others in the sort of 
um, the value of an asset kind of uh, space, you know, and people are thinking, starting to think um, Bitcoin's describing it more like as a digital gold instead of, you know, a, a transaction processing system. I think it's going to have a little bit of both, um, uh, but, you know, time will tell how it works out. Um, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of folks in that space who believe that, uh, you know, it's going to take over the banking system. Um, I am like not so sure, at least in the developed worlds, call it the U.S. and Western Europe and, and, and maybe China. Um, but I think there's a real opportunity in places where there's not a developed banking industry. So certain parts of Asia, certain parts of um, Latin America, certain parts of uh, Africa, certain parts of Eastern Europe. Um, people are massively underbanked in those particular situations. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I just listened to a fellow speak um, and he talked about Africa. And one of the ways people uh, transfer value and money in Africa is through phone cards because they don't trust the banking system. So they'll go buy a phone card. They trust the phone company and they'll trade, keep a phone card in their company, in their pocket and you use that to trade. So I think wow. transfer value between phone, uh, um phones that way. So the world's going to change really fast. And I think that's those are areas where um, the existing banking structure just doesn't work for people that don't have a pile of money. Um, and then they, you know, there's probably, uh, I think the, the number of people like to throw around is a billion unbanked and another two billion underbanked <clears throat> on the planet. So I think that's where the real super opportunity is for for this. Well said, and that is those are humongous numbers. Like they're they're yeah. they're not not conceivable. And then you know they all have phones. You've you've right. even just mentioned how they use the phones for their transactions. So if they're just migrating from transaction A to transaction B, should be a pretty simple switch for them. And then you've got potentially three billion users on it right away. Wow, yes, that's right. They got it. And and the phones are cheap. What they some of the phones that people are using now are those old Nokia phones. Oh, yeah? We're like a brick that are completely indestructible and of course, they're, <laughs> they're, they're cheap. So you can go grab yourself a little, call it a hardware wallet <clears throat> and uh, and do your business. Huh. Who would ever thought that the uh, the Nokia phones would come back like that? <laughs> so, so um, yeah, it's it's I think it's fascinating how people are solving a need. They they have they're having a challenge. And they see what's around them, and they say, "Here's a here's a way to solve, here's the way to solve that problem," you know. And it's it's exciting stuff. A lot of minds, a lot of smart people, um, working on on these uh, these issues. So I'm very bullish on the whole on the whole space, and we want to make sure that our students um, are staying up in that space. And at the same time, over on our website, we want our subscribers to uh, you know to make a buck along the way. And so it's been um, uh, we've been sort of in the, uh, the folks like to call it a crypto winter uh, mm. from the big sell off from yeah. uh, 2017. And starting this uh, uh, middle of last year, the, the cryptos have come back to life. And um, I think uh, there's a nice rally ahead. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm bullish on the space. Of course, we don't know uh, uh, where and how far prices will go, but. You know, it's really remarkable that there's an asset where a 20% move is sort of like, oh, we've moved 20% today. That's nice. 
you know, yeah. whereas you saw that in stocks all the time, you you would it would be front page of, you know, Wall Street Journal and, and right. you know, Fox News and CNBC and everybody else out there. But it's that's such an everyday occurrence. And part of it has to do with the fact that the market caps are very small um, and the number of participants are are, you know, relatively speaking, small. I mean, I think if you walked around the U.S. and asked the average Joe what a cryptocurrency was, they would say, I don't know. I've kind of heard about it, but don't really know anything about it. Um, and I think um, if we have another big run like uh, we did in, in 2017, uh, a lot more people would go uh, learn a, about it. And, you know, the whole industry is working very hard on mass adoption and education. And that's that's something that's been helping me with my crypto lab because people in the industry want, especially the younger generation who are who are going to adopt this uh, technology uh, much more swiftly than than uh, maybe everybody else um, uh, to get involved. So um, they want to come educate, get them on board and uh, and and bring the future to today. Oh, man, that's really exciting. So, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago about how <clears throat> people aren't sure that crypto will be able to become a, a payment processing system. Well, but Bitcoin itself, because Bitcoin has some mining challenges and it's oh, okay. expensive to, to mine. Um, a lot of electricity is used to mine and to run the network. Um, so if we can find a better way, there, there's two really techniques um, that are used to secure network. and one is the proof of work, and so the miners do a bunch of work, and then the one that wins gets to process the transaction and get paid for that. Then there's something called proof of stake, and it's the number of people who um, a staker will, will deposit a certain number of coins on a node, um, and that secures the node, and then they get paid a bit to help, um, um, uh, what do you say, uh, manage uh, the transactions that go through. That's a far less energy intensive uh, process and it's a far less um, computationally intensive process. So my personal view is that's the technology that over time is gonna be preferred um, because it's gonna just be, uh, it's gonna be much less expensive to run, uh, run, maintain and secure a network. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I didn't even realize that uh, Bitcoin in particular uh, was different than the others. So yeah, very interesting. I, I honestly, as a layman, obviously, <laughs> have no idea how it's mined. And, um, you know, that I, that's why I was asking earlier, you know, if you could switch from, <clears throat> excuse me, from, you know, Bitcoin to Ethereum, and you just flip a switch or however that works. So well, yeah, there is software that optimizes. So you can um, have uh, software and it will compute um, in real time, the cost of your electricity, and then uh, compare that to the price of the coin, and then the difficulty of mining on that network. Put wow. those factors together, and it figures out um, coin X is the cheapest one, and so it will rotate and uh, and mine that that coin. Um, and then, if you want to collect it in a different coin, um, then it automatically sends it to an exchange, converts it and then um, uh, gives you the coin that you do want. So you could be collecting Bitcoin while you're mining Litecoin or- um, Well, how about that? Or, or, 
or Monero or something like that. That is pretty sophisticated, huh? Okay. So there's the people operating in this space are very, um, very bright, um, imaginative, committed, um, and uh, and they're and it's and uh, it's it's really interesting space. I like to call it a, a train um, that's left the station because trying to keep up with what all these different people are doing uh, is almost an, in fact, it is an impossible task. Right. You know, I can run so fast, but the train goes a little bit faster. And, and so, um, you know, we learn a lot at the school um, and uh, and then we find out that there's just X, X percent more we have to learn. So we learn mm -hmm. we learn X and we need to learn 1.5 X. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to try to keep up. So it's a challenge, um, but a fun one. It's, it's an awfully fun space because not only, you know, you don't have to be a programmer to get involved um, if you want to um, own some coins and, and sort of uh, diversify your portfolio uh, by owning um, a few things. Now, I'm not a, a big fan of most of the tokens out there because it's just unclear what their use case is. Like, why does this token need to exist? Um, what does it help me do? Um, but there are a few uh, that do um, that do do that. So I've always been of this opinion of the, what is there, five or 6,000 coins and tokens outstanding. Probably 99% will go away at some point, and then we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be down to a universe of 50 or 100 that's going to, and they'll be specialized in terms of, uh, might be, um, you know, following food services and, um, and information around food production and delivery, um, advertising. There's a whole thing going on. Advertising is a very complicated space. And if I'm an advertiser of my business and I put an ad, want to put an ad someplace, um, that, that, uh, there might be five or six different people in that process who get a little piece of the money I'm going to pay, as well as um, the final website or newspaper or magazine or television um, that finally airs my airs my ad. And so, crypto is a perfect um, um, technology to use to be able to track who's getting what and how much making uh, what getting what fraction of my dollar. Uh, in real time. So you're, you're going to see some real changes um, in the way advertising gets done. And I think where the super value is going to be going forward is going to be in the creative. You know, we're going to, you know, it's, uh, we're going to, we're, and hopefully we get some good creative ads when the money goes to creative instead of processing and stuff like that. So, you know, keep the Geico commercials coming. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit. And yep. you mentioned uh, Tesla. Now, by the time this airs, Tesla will probably be fifty-four thousand dollars a share. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, you know what's uh, watching this uh, short squeeze is yep. so interesting. I think it was around four hundred dollars at the beginning of January, and here we are at the end of January, and it's pushing seven hundred dollars a share. Yeah. Um. I, this is, you know, this is definitely going to be one that's going to be uh, probably in the case studies at Rutgers at some point. Yeah, it's it is an interesting situation. I'm not, and to me, I think it really is a short squeeze. I looked at uh, the numbers, and um, they don't make a whole lot of sense to me. So if we look at 
revenue in Q4 2019 versus revenue Q, um, Q4 2018. 